Aren't kids great? I mean, they are. They're just great. And, and I think it's, it's so fun to, to have kids around in your life where you can watch how they interact, and especially in their relationship to God and how they perceive things and things they say. Today, the, the topic is receiving like a child. And there's a lot in Scripture about children. Uh, it, the kingdom of God isn't childish, but to receive the kingdom, you have to receive it like a child. That's what we're going to look at today. And so I want you to just be thinking about what is it God can say to you. Because sometimes kids say funny things. Like this, this one, I love this one little story of a, a young girl who came to her dad and said, Dad, I really want a cat. I've never had one and I love kittens. And can we get a kitten? And the dad said, I, am, I would love to, honey, but I am so allergic to cats. Honestly, we couldn't even live in the same house. And she thought for a minute and she said, well, Dad, maybe you could live in the garage. <laughs> just, just, boom, just like that. Problem solved. It's over. We got, we got an answer. And so I love, I love the readiness of, of a child. And I think that's why Jesus talks about this idea, this concept of the kingdom of God and associating it with children. Now, there's, there's several stories about kids in the Bible. We're going to look at, at, at Mark 10. Let me just give you an example. If, if I, sometimes we don't like to receive from God, and he's trying to give us stuff, and we don't receive it. If I, if I said, come up here, I want to give you this pen, and someone walked up here, and I said, there you go. And what, what would it feel like if they said, may, may I please have the pen? And I'd say, yeah. Oh, but really, please, can I have it? I really want it bad. It's like, it's like my favorite color, and can I just I need that pen. I'm saying, yeah. Oh, please, I want that pen. You know where this is going, right? Okay, we'll stop right there. Sometimes I think God is longing for us to accept and receive his gifts. No strings attached. And that's difficult for us. And we're going to explore that today. So keep an open heart. Let me read from Mark 10, verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. That's, that's a pretty big statement. It's almost harsh. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. What a remarkable story today. I just, I love this story. So many lessons that we can learn. So we're going to get to that receiving in a little bit, but I don't want to miss the first part of these verses. And so if you have a, a program today, it looks like this, like a child. On the back is an outline you can follow along, or if you've downloaded our Timberline Church app, you can follow along on there. The outline is provided in there as well. Um, number one is this. What can we learn from the parents in this story? There's something to learn from the parents. It says in that verse, and I want to just slow it down and have you think about this. One day some parents, what's the next word? Brought. They brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. Yay, parents. 
How many of you, how many of you have kids somewhere in the building right now? Just wave your hand at me. I want to I say something to you. Thank you so much for the effort and the energy put into the investment of getting those kids ready, bringing them to church with you, letting them experience. Most Christians come to faith before they're 12 years old. And I want to I just commend you parents who go, it's not easy. And church attendance is dwindling all around the country because it's just hard. I don't need church. I love God, but I don't need the church. And I just want to say, thank you for believing in the church. We are the bride of Christ. And we are, we are commanded to gather and to worship and to pray for one another and to serve one another. These are biblical principles. And I, I just want to give it up for those of you that are parents who bring your kids to Jesus. Let's just say thanks to them. Way to go. Way to go. In this day, it wasn't easy. I mean, it's not easy now. But some parents, they heard Jesus was in town. So they said, kids, we're going to go find him. And they're walking, most likely, and they're just going to find him in the village somewhere. And when they find him, they approach him. Why? Because they wanted Jesus to bless them. We have, we have grandparents in our church who are raising their grandkids because some tough stuff happened with their kids. And I, I commend grandparents. It is a powerful thing when you are serving your grandkids in that way. Number two in your outline is this. Are we the protector of God? Now, I put this in a form of a question because I think sometimes we don't even realize our attitudes toward our faith, especially as it relates to how others come to faith or how others live their life. In the second part of verse 13, this cracks me up. It says, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. So all of a sudden we have... We have the Jesus security team getting after the parents. Who do you think you are bringing your kids to Jesus? I mean, how did that happen? How did, how did that get into their mind? Jesus handpicked these guys. He loves them. He's going to invest in them. But they haven't learned a whole lot yet. They, they have made assumptions. They, it's us and no more. We know what's best for Jesus. Uh, you must get our approval before you go into the inner circle. Every visitor comes through us first. We are the screening group for God. You guys, what made them think that? What made them come to that decision in their life and how they viewed Jesus? What was going on? Is it possible, just, just entertain this for a second. Is it possible that sometimes we overrate our own opinions? Yeah. I've asked you this before, but how many of you are usually right? That's why you have the opinion that you have. Yes, I see your hand. Come forward. You think about this. I have opinions, and sometimes I'm strongly opinionated, and I have to watch it. And, and if, we don't, if we're not careful, we jump in and start giving answers to questions no one's asking. And Christians can be the worst. They jump into social media. They, they have the end. They're going to they're gonna fix this problem right now. And you better listen to what I have to say because I have figured this out and I'm right. God would never allow that. God doesn't care about that. God wouldn't talk to those people. Really? You know, I, I think we better be careful and we better pay attention because God is everywhere all the time. 
And when we label people, now I'm going to make a statement here, and I don't want to be misquoted. I'm not saying all roads lead to heaven, but I will say this. We have testimonies of people in this church who went on a faith journey to find God, and they became all different labels. They became Muslims or Buddhists or Hindus or agnostics or atheists. They went on a journey. We have people here who put a tent up in their house and started doing chanting to try to find the real God. But guess what? Jesus stands on every one of those roads and invites people to come and follow him. He's there. He's there. And we have to pay attention to that. Because when we start labeling people and say, well, never find God there, it might be the very place they find God. We have someone here who had a revelation from God standing in the middle of a strip club. God, God showed him the opposites, and it just blew his mind. God is everywhere. Some of you who have kids right now that have gone wayward, and you don't know why. You taught them better than this. They're not making good decisions. I'm, I'm telling you something. God has their name. God is chasing them down. You're not the voice they're going to listen to. You've already tried that. Why don't you pray for the other voices that God is sending into their life and trust that and pray for that? Why? Because God is everywhere all the time. And I don't want to be a disciple that says, no, you're not allowed in there. Nope, that's not what God does. Nope, God doesn't visit those places. No, God is everywhere all the time. Don't ever forget that. Think about that. And don't make easy answers out of difficult problems. You're not the fix-it for God. You're not the protector of God. How dare you say that about God? People can say whatever they want about God. God is God. I'm not God. Right? So relax. I'll tell myself that now. So Jesus jumps in the middle of this whole thing. Number three in your outline. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And this is where it goes into the whole children thing. So he's associating the kingdom with this picture of these children in front of him. Verse 14. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. Big word right there, angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. He was angry. The word means indignant. Agonatio is the Greek word. Now, there's three times it's used in the Gospel of Mark. Only three. And the other two instances, it's not used about Jesus. Matter of fact, you may may recall some of these stories. Do you guys remember... In Mark, when James and John, two of the disciples, were talking with Jesus alone, and they asked him if one could sit on the right and one could sit on the left, and the disciples heard about it, and the Bible says they were indignant, they were angry. That's this word. It's like a, oh, it's like a snort. It's that kind of anger. And the other time was when, Remember the lady who uh, opened the alabaster box and anointed the feet of Jesus with that really expensive perfume? And it was Judas and a couple other disciples that, that it says they scolded her and they were angry with her. They went, oh, how disgusting. So, so this word 
kind of in a classic sense, just simply means to be irked. You would say, oh, that ticks me off when you hear something. That frustrates me. So Jesus wasn't committing a sin when he had this anger, but it was, it was a response to their behavior. And I think he was kind of shocked. He was kind of blown away, like, what do you mean you're not, you're not letting the, the kids come? And so he was angry. Let the children come. Jesus did not ask them to screen his calls. Don't stop them. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I really don't know how the disciples missed it as big as they did, but they did. And it shows me that I could miss it too. I can get so caught up in believing I'm right and thinking a path is the right path, and I better take that to God and surrender it and lay it down and say, Lord, you gotta, you got to show me. Where, where do I really... Where am I missing it? And i gotta, I got to go visit a daycare more often to watch the kids play in there. Maybe that's a little more like the kingdom. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that we, Bonnie and I, we've raised our three kids, and now we, we love just having them as friends. It's really fulfilling in our life. But they started having kids, and so we have five grandkids. Now, that's really fun because you don't have to raise them, Right? And you can just enjoy them and spoil them and hang out with them. Matter of fact, I, I really like this, you know, stunning are the lights of Paris, gorgeous are the lights of Rome, but none so beautiful as the taillights of the grandkids going home. <laughs> right? <laughs> Parents, don't be offended. That was just a revelation from God. That's not even in my notes. <laughs> but it's been fun to come back into a childlike world and watch the expressions and the joy of a child and the simple things to the point that, that sometimes when we take them a gift, when we go see them, they'll just grab the gift and run off because they want to play with it so bad. And the parents will say, well, go say thank you. And we're like, no, they don't even need to. Well, we want them to say thank you, but we don't need them to be correct. They were just so excited. It's like we have given them something that they love. I think sometimes God gives a gift. He puts it right in front of us, and we, we don't know what to do with that because there's just, it's just not right to accept a gift without doing something in return. Number, number four. How do we receive like a child? What's, what's the heart behind this? So Jesus gives a little lesson here, and it's really at the heart of the message today, and it's this. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. Now, when he says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, is he insinuating that sometimes he doesn't tell the truth? Of course not. So why do he say that? It's common in this culture when someone has been misled, when they believe in a philosophy that is not accurate, you would say, I'm going to tell you the truth about this matter. In other words, you have a misconception that is not correct. So Jesus is making a correction. He's stepping in and saying, I'm going to bring the truth to you about this. It's much more important. Not only were you policing the kids away from me, but this is what the kingdom of God is like. You need to get that right. 
And, and, and that's why he says, I tell you the truth. He's making a correction. And then he goes on. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I, I, just, I just see this, and I, I love this next part where he takes the children in his arms. And, and he places his hands on their heads, and he blesses them. It's such a cool thing to see that. Can you imagine the confusion in the disciples right now? Because they're, they're, they've formed like a little life chain not to let anybody through to Jesus. You know, he's resting. Now, now Jesus is like, no, 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 let him, let him come. This is very important. And so I can just see all the parents standing on the other side of the chain going, oh, there you go. <laughs> the disciples are like, okay, come on through. These parents wanted their kids to be blessed by God. And God said, I will bless them. I want to bless them. Don't ever forget that, parents. Jesus is on your side. Jesus is with you, and Jesus wants to bless your kids. Bring them to Jesus. Trust them to Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. That's the picture that all of this means. So what am I going to do with all this? I, I've got, you know, I love to get practical in teaching. And so I put this ways to practice receiving and maybe add three words, like a child, because that's my intent when I was writing this, was what are some practices that we can practice to, to somehow receive like a child would receive? And so I, I, had, I had quite a few things that I wrote down on my list, but I've sort of landed on five. Five things. And number one is this, anticipate with joy. Receive with anticipation. If, if I'll tell you, kids, I, I have never been around a kid when you give them a gift and they go, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. As a matter of fact, if you say, you can try this, parents, if you say this, if you, if you have dinner or lunch or whatever, you prepare a meal, if you say to your kids, by the way, kids, after we're done with dinner, we have a gift for you, dinner will go very quickly. <laughs> Why? Because they're anticipating with joy something that they are going to receive. And I think that our Lord so often wants to be the giver of a gift. And we need to anticipate that with joy. How do you do that? I'll tell you how, how I developed a habit of this. I anticipate God. I'm a morning guy. And so I, I love to get up and, and have coffee, first thing. People say, are you a big devotional guy? Like you're really disciplined. I'm like, no. But, but I really like coffee. <laughs> and so I associated coffee with my God time, and it's worked out really well. And so I go get coffee, and I just sit down and get comfy, and I'm sipping my coffee, and I'm just talking to God and, and pretty much every day because I, I want coffee every day. And, and so I, I just have this time with the Lord where I literally, even this morning, I said, Lord, what, what is my day going to hold? I'm anticipating you're going to give gifts. I'm going to meet someone new. I'm going to, I'm going to be at the welcome, so I'm going to hear a story. Your presence is going to change a life. What, I just can't wait to experience today. 
Every day God has something he wants to put in your heart, put in your hands. He wants to journey with you through all of it. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice, be glad in it. That's the power of anticipating. And kids do that so well. Number two, receiving without guilt. Man, this is a big one. I I don't know if, if I can even communicate this at the level that we need to hear it. But there's no guilt in receiving what God freely offers you. And we're in a culture that just is filled with with guilt. Receiving like a child is this. It's simply allowing the gift to be given. That's it. Boom. Given. There I am. I don't have to feel guilty. If you've ever been around kids at Christmas, there's not a lot of guilt in opening the next present. Matter of fact, sometimes they'll ask if there's any more when they're done, right? It's just so fun. There's no guilt there. I'm happy to receive. That's not how we think We usually have a bunch of guilt associated with receiving anything. The third one is similar. It's receiving is an admission that we cannot earn it. If if I'm going to truly receive, I'm going to allow the gift to be given, then I have to acknowledge that I'm not capable of earning this gift. God isn't trying to make me earn it. We often think, well, I'm going to be better, so God will give me more of, of that. We live in a culture where reward is often the result of better behavior. And so, and so we, we get into this cycle. Okay, God, I'll work harder. I'll try harder. I'll attain more. I'll prove myself to God, to others. I'll get smarter. I'll make more money. I'll earn that degree. And, and we just somehow associate the fact that if I can, just, if I can earn this something that God's going to give me, then Finally, and we, we chase the dream of deserving. And the gift of salvation, eternity with God, can't be earned. Can't be bought. You can't connive. You can't get cute. You can't make it happen. The only thing, the only way that you can receive that gift of salvation is to receive it. And that messes with people. I hear it all the time. Oh, you don't know my life. You you just don't know what I've done. I've heard that hundreds of times. I've had people say, if I ever came to that church, the the roof would cave in. And I'm like, let's give it a try. (laughs) But you don't know what, I know. But God does. And there's just this feeling that I, I have to earn. I'm going to get better, and then I'll, I'll come to church. I'm going to get better, and then maybe I'll, I'll trust God. I'm going to clean up. i got a lot of habits. i got to clean my life up. Stop it. You won't. You can't. You just have to receive it. Just receive it. And once you receive it, God will help you accomplish a lot of stuff in your life. But the gift is free. Number four, receiving means I must not attempt to repay it. (laughs) 
repay it. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's our culture. So we get it honestly, right? I can't just accept something for nothing. And, and boy, that, that's not like a child. That's like a grown-up who's been around church too long. I can't, I can't repay it. Bonnie and I, my wife Bonnie and I have, uh, we, we, we laugh about this sometimes, but I do, I feel obligated sometimes, like, like if we have a, a friend, some friends and we're going to go to dinner for Christmas, let's say, and then Bonnie will say, well, should we take gifts? And I'll say, well, do you think they're getting us a gift? Because if they're getting us a gift, we definitely should take gifts. So let's, get, let's take gifts. And then we'll give them a gift. But then what if they don't have a gift for us? They're going to feel bad. So let's let, if they give us a gift, we'll give them a gift. If they don't, then let's buy something we want to keep. Right? Right? you got to think these things through. And all of that, all of that, all of that is this point. I, I can't just receive. That's just not American. If, if I receive, then I'm, I'm in debt. I'm, I'm somehow obligated to return something. And God's like, well, you don't get the kingdom then. Because you're never going to repay that. The price was way too high to even think about repaying that. Wow. Last thing. And I'm sure there's more than five. But I put show gratitude on here because I think that, that's not payback, that's not earning it, but there's something powerful when you let the gift giver give the gift and you appreciate the generosity that's been offered to you. And I just want to make this point. Eternal life was very costly for Jesus. As a matter of fact, he says, they're not going to kill me. I'm going to lay my life down. You can't take what you offer, what you lay down. And he says, I'm doing that for you. This is a gift you can't repay. <laughs> the Son of God comes to earth, dies on a cross, is resurrected from the dead so that you might believe on him and receive the gift of eternal life. And you can't do one thing about it. That price has been paid. Whether you receive it or not, it's already been paid for you. It's up to you. When I think of that, I'm just blown away. Because we serve a God who wants to be the giver of gift and gifts in our lives. So I want you to just posture yourself as we pray to be the receiver. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, prepare my heart, prepare our hearts. Even now, to put our pride aside and to just receive. We, we want you to bring your gifts and put them in our lives.
I'm going to ask you to just, with your eyes closed, possibly right where you are, just, just kind of imagine the Lord coming and putting his hand on your head as though he's praying, anointing you. And as he places his hand on you, I would love for you right now to just say, I receive your gifts. Under your breath, just say it. I receive your gifts. No buts, no stopping, no, no, okay, and I'll do this, and I'll, I'll, and I'll, nope, just stop, just receive it. I receive forgiveness. Just receive it. I receive wisdom. Receive it. I receive truth. Show us the power of receiving, mighty God, that we might learn from you, that we might have the child once again come alive in us, that we might receive the gifts you offer. Thank you that you didn't call us to be beggars. You called us as the sons and daughters of God. And you've blessed us with an inheritance that is eternal. We thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.